Hey guys, welcome back to Vinyl Drop. I'm Keith. And I'm Ashley. And today we are talking about such an interesting album. Uh, it's the first week that I think we're not doing an artist who has a number one album to their name or single. Nothing went number one off of this. No. Sad. Nothing charted within the top 100 singles <gasps> wise. Uh, nothing. That's a crime. The album peaked at number 70 on the Billboard 200. Okay. One of these songs was a bit of a hit in New Zealand. Get that 23. Interesting. But what's interesting is that since this isn't a successful project, we, well, I, artistically it is successful and I will, mm-hmm. I will die on that grave. But we, <laughs> does that make sense? No, die on that hill. Die on that hill. I will die on that hill. Um, no matter what. Yeah. So we're doing um, Trouble by Natalia Kills. I love this album. Wow, you do? Yeah, this is one of my highest scoring albums out of all the ones that we've done so far. Wow, that's so exciting to hear. This is one of my favorite pop albums of all time. It's so cool. So cool. I just like that's literally the word that I kept writing down over and over again. Every song. It's so interesting because I wasn't sure if, you know, because Ashley and I come from very different perspectives when it comes to these (laughs) albums. I was on my laptop at like nine years old being like, what, what can I listen to? Like, who is this? Um, and like, whereas you just jumped into it and there's no like chart success, there's no radio, there's no mm-hmm. anything. And like, I didn't know if it was just me being a blind, you know, pop fan, like loving this album. But I really do think these songs are just great through and through, even if you don't know about the person behind them or the extent, you know, I think the story is very much in the lyrics here. Um, I think the album art is interesting. This is Natalia Kills' second album coming out in 2013 on September 3rd. Wow. So think of how many albums we've done from 2013. <clears throat> this must have been like the third or fourth. Which else? Blackout? <laughs> that was 2007. Okay. <laughs> but we did Bernie Jean in 2013. Oh, okay. In December, Our Pop in November. Uh, this actually came out the same day as Ariana Grande's first studio album. Whoa. But I never liked yours truly that much because for me this overshadowed it for me this totally overshadowed it yeah so well this is like 10 times more mature mm -hmm. than yours truly how did you feel about the album artwork i loved it did you like did you see the whole drip town thing yeah like that's that was my inspo for (laughs) the original album we had this okay so originally the podcast was called album drip in the beta um testing oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and that it kind of influenced where i was going with the the design but yeah so what do you think of natalia kills as an artist um yeah i think she's edgy i think she's cool she has a sound that i think is a bit mainstream but also like her own Mm-hmm. so yeah some songs she reminds me of lady gaga some songs one of them she reminded me of gwen stefani wow maybe i don't really know which one maybe not her voice was it the... rabbit hole yeah yeah that one's so gwen stefani but like more dark <clears throat> and sexual yeah yeah um so i think she's really cool what if i told you that natalia kills was actually a british female rapper when she was 13 she was She's not. She was. She had an, a number 11 peaking single on the UK um, chart called Don't Play Nice. And she has a music video for it. Her name was Verbalicious. Um, that kind of 
ruins it for me. Mm, there's a lot to her. There's also something about her present day, which I'm going to save till the end because I don't want it to influence your opinion. How old is she now? I'd have to guess she's 29 or 30. Oh. Um, but. See, in my head, I pictured this like really like young, edgy, cool. Well, she was like 20. She must have been 24, 25 when this came out. Yeah. I which don't is know. the reasonable age. You know, it's yeah, not every day you know, Ariana Grande. Um, I was thinking like 20s, like. Well, I guess mm-hmm. 24, but um, younger 20s. I think she was 25 now that I'm really thinking about it because she was 23 when her debut album came out, or 22. Um, and her debut, let's let's start from the beginning. So this album is about her family and her dad, uh, her essentially being a rich family in a neighborhood that's not really that affluent. And then her finding out that her dad, I guess, laundered a bunch of money. <laughs> so their richness wasn't real. So then he got arrested, but he was also very abusive oh, toward her mother. Yeah. He was also very abusive toward her mother. So it was a very toxic relationship as a child. Um, and then at some point she got annoyed and she ran away when she was like 14, 15. Whoa. And she lost it, I guess. She got involved. She said later that she got involved in a religious cult or something. <laughs> she said that she ran away, hooked up with all these random guys, made these friends. That's where all the drugs and things and mentions come from. Mm. It's about sort of that. It's about her being rebellious. It's about being a teenager in that sort of time. And then she eventually bought a bunch of, like, sold a bunch of her clothes on eBay and stuff just to get a plane ticket to Los Angeles. Lived there. How More guys in relationships. successful rap career? That's what we're going to talk about. Um, so, uh, and then eventually she put together this EP on MySpace called Womanikin under the name Natalia Cappuccini, which is her real name. <laughs> and. That's silly. That's her real name. It got Will I Am's attention. You're mm-hmm. kidding. No. It was like kind of rappy. It was like her rap origins mixed with the Natalia Kills We Know Today. Um. I don't really listen to those songs that much. It's very of its time. But then suddenly she had Will I Am. She had Akon who signs Lady Gaga and she had the same label. You know, Natalie Kills is her own artist and I will always stand by that. But I think she definitely got signed under the pretenses of like, everyone wants the next Lady Gaga. Um, mm. Her debut album came out in 2011 when Born This Way was coming out. How old was she then? That's what, I think she was like 22. Oh, okay. But, you know, Akon actually dropped Lady Gaga around that time. Because he was like, I have nothing left to make with her. Um, Rude. Little Dottino. Yeah, right. But I think his goal was to find more talent. So then came Natalia Kills. She made dark pop. She didn't make normal pop music. Yeah. She did all the... And I think she played a lot of it up because she was told to. Um, There's a lot of things online about how, like, they tried to get... They tried to get Lady Gaga to give her demos and she wouldn't. (laughs) Like, because she was very much... People were really trying to get their own carbon copy of her where stars had to sort of, like, act or operate like her. Right. Um, which I think was seen in a lot of what she did. But that being said, I think the lyrics and the material are very organic to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely think all of it's great, even if she did work with a lot of the same people. Um, but there's definitely a change between the first and second album. The first album was called Perfectionist. She was a lot more mysterious, like, identity-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with Akon and Williams backing... I don't know where, I don't know why, I guess I should say. I don't know what field it is that prevented this, but she didn't go out and promote on like late night shows. She didn't perform anywhere. 
she didn't i don't know if they pushed the songs to radio or not but mirrors the first album it just didn't chart that well um and none of the singles really took wind a few did in austria but then by the second album you could see that she worked with one person throughout the whole thing a few of lana del rey's producers actually Mm, that makes sense and really paved her own way i think a little more where does the last name kills come from I so this is one of those tropes, but she because she kills it. Stop. So for she because she's like she's like dark. It's <laughs> like Natalia kills. Wow. Um, which I, I kind know. of like the ring to it. I don't know why. Yeah, it sounds cool. Just like the reason behind it is like oh. <laughs> I do think the female pop star bracket around this time was very oversaturated because mm. you had the Disney girls, you had you know Miley. Selena, Demi, True. those are them. And then you had Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, Kesha. Wow, that's a lot of female pop stars. And then you had Ariana Grande this year on mm. top of what? Britney Spears. And then you also had like Christina Aguilar was still kind of doing stuff. You had <laughs> just, it's like a, this slew of people coming and going, Beyonce. So um, I get why there wasn't room, but I do think these songs are great. Now. <laughs> Let's jump into the album. I'm feeling a little bit low energy today, so I, it was a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. Life story. I don't know. I it's, wonder what holes exist. Yeah, it like it feels incomplete. It feels almost like not made up. I'm like sure it's all real, but like it feels like this like origin story that mm-hmm. like could be a movie. Like yeah. It does. Maybe that fits her vibe, though. She's supposed to be mysterious, dark pop. Like, her past is the same. I don't know. I think so. I think she's sort of... It's almost like with all these different... Like, I guess her parents would have had to fund the whole rap career thing. Yeah. But right. Verbalicious didn't become a thing. So the album never came out. Verbalicious. <laughs> the album never came out. It was just Don't Play Nice. So I guess things hit the fan after that. But I do have to wonder... I think the lyrics and the stories and those are real, but I think maybe when she talks about it, I wonder what parts, you know, are. Have you watched many interviews with her? Yeah. And that's where she talks about all these things. How is she? I wish I watched some before this. How is she like live? What type she's of pretty good live, she? but she's very. Or no, I just mean like speaking. I think she's known as very cold. Oh. Not cold in a, I guess cold could be perceived bad, but I think she's very dry. And, like, I think what came to light in the Trouble era was sort of, like, maybe it's not all just, like, a played-up act. Like, I think she's very, like, I'm a little darker, you know what I mean? I'm a little more, like, icy. Because of what she's been through? Yeah, that's that's another part that makes me think maybe it's real because she's very, like, icy in that way. Or it could all be a persona. Yeah, I think part of it is, for sure. And then there's something that happened with her after she made this album, which I think we'll save till the end. Yeah, I, I definitely, <laughs> I don't know. I want to talk about the music first because like, yeah. I like the music. I love the music. Yeah. So let's dive in. Okay. First one was television. I thought it was really cool. I was listening to it um, just like through headphones. So I thought that like the first like more spoken word staticky part was just the intro and then it went into a different song but i like how it's a part of the first song and 
yeah, I just like didn't get bored with it, which usually happens to me when there's like two parts of songs like that. Yeah. I like the channel flip, the static. Yeah, it's really cool. And I like how, even though like I didn't completely get the story because I feel like it's so specific it's so, to her. Yeah. It's so, but I could tell like, I could tell her lyrics were really, really strong from the start. Yeah, it's sort of like, she's talking about the perception, like you said earlier. Mm. And then it sort of breaks into the 60s, like, drum and i don't know basically her her saying for the song was that like whenever there was bad things going on at home she'd like turn up the television and that's how she sort of turned it into this like you know life isn't like on television it isn't jerry springer like stuff like that but i think it's a really powerful it's a good opener it sort of shows you like she's not playing around yeah it is super strong i gave this one a seven and a half i gave it a seven out of ten too yeah. I gave it a 7 out of 10, too. I thought it was a solid start, and like I said before, I didn't get bored with it, which is cool, because sometimes I get really bored with songs. But I don't know. Like, it wasn't anything special to me. Yeah. Which is why I didn't rate it higher, but I also liked it. Like, yeah, I get what you mean. It's in that good middle ground. Yeah, seven and a half, I think, is fitting. There are so many songs mm-hmm. that I liked on this album. I think the later ones I really had to dial back, but I think television's great within the album. Yeah, I agree. Next one, Problem. This was actually my least favorite, I think, off of the album. Wow. And I've heard it, no, one of my least favorites, but I've heard it before. I feel like it's like, it's been in movies. Yeah. And it's, it's in TV shows and things like that. Honestly, most of these songs, I could feel, I feel like they could be in a movie soundtrack. Yeah. Um, for life. <laughs> but yeah, it's just not one of my favorites. It's very like bad B energy. Mm-hmm. That's the energy in the interviews. And it ties, oh, really? But more like Regal. <gasps> That's so interesting. And it, I like that it ties in and like continues on with this concept of perception and how we view the world and view each other type of thing. Yeah, it's definitely playing on that. This was the first single. This was the song that, so I wasn't really that excited for Trouble When, because I loved Perfectionist. It wasn't the first song we heard from it, but it was the first single. And I remember being like, this is an okay song. Um, But it wasn't until the second single that I was like really reeled in. And then the whole entire album that I was like, this is so good. Wait, so you really um, liked it? No, it was um, just the album itself. I was like, this is really good. Oh, Problem, okay. on the other hand, I think it's better than television. Um, really? And I think it's just, I don't know, the energy of it is so fun, even though I don't listen to it that much. I think I probably... No, I listen to it more than television. Um, but it was in the Pitch Perfect movie. Oh, maybe that's mm-hmm. what I know it from. Um, it was also in a show called the royals which was on e for a minute oh my god yes i've watched that too wow um those are the two where i caught it and i was like wow look at her (laughs) um but it was at the end of the soundtrack and when the pitch perfect soundtrack came out she posted on instagram she was like i can't believe i have a number one song (laughs) but it was like (laughs) the soundtrack which is like she's still kind of like you can give yourself the title i guess i'm like itching to watch an interview of her now oh we'll we'll dive in (laughs) but yeah i gave problem an eight I, I think this captures her energy really well. Mm. It's about when she moved to Los Angeles and she was just kind of bat, bat, badly crazy. Badly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. 
I gave it a six out of ten. Wow. Because I think I would return to television before I return to this song. Yeah. It's interesting what she chose as singles or what led the album, I guess, because there mm. weren't really that many. Yeah. The next one, Stop Me, was very hyped about because she performed it live a lot before the album came out. And it sounded wow. different than I thought it would. Really? Yeah. I I liked it. It was one of those first moments where I really recognized her like dark pop side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like again, it feels like it could be in a movie soundtrack when like you're walking away in slow motion from a big explosion behind mm-hmm. you. Like that's what it sounds like. But just it's so cool. I need to find a better word for that, like at some point yeah. throughout the podcast, because I think I have it written down like 10 million times. Yeah. But it just like, it's like. No, I know what you mean. It's just like so distinctive, but also very like, yeah, like, like gives no Fs. You know, um, MIA, right? Yeah. That's the artist that does like. Paper planes. Yeah. And and live fast, die young. That one. Mm-hmm. It's very much that same like energy. I think so too, with like a more icy exterior. Yes. I We keep using the same words, but we're capturing the same thing, I feel like. Mm. Um, yeah. So this was about a night that she snuck off to Paris, she said, with her friend, and she just sort of said, whatever. She doesn't care anymore. I mean, she was in London. So it's uh, whatever. I mean, you are separated by water, but I guess you just kind of do that. I'm, I'm yeah. not from Europe, so. But, <laughs> but then the lyric in the chorus, like, I put my high heels on so I'm closer to God. I feel like that's a very Madonna lyric. Mm. I mean, that note. Like, the religious imagery. But also, apparently she was in a cult at some point. So I guess a that is her thing. Cult. But I'm curious what, because I'm so into cults, like, I wonder what it was. But. She needs her yeah. own documentary. She does. <laughs> I wish she was, I wish this blew up so then it could have been one. Like, I really had high hopes for her, her, her sorry, sorry, to say, like, in past sense. I keep wanting to ask, where is she now? Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Oh, my God. Okay. But I gave Stop Me a 7 because as much as I was hyped for this, and I think it's a good song, I think it is one of my least favorites on the album. Really? Yeah. That's I just don't return to it that much. I think the sonics of it. She worked yeah. with Jeff Basker throughout the whole album, and he's really cool, and they clearly worked well together. Um. Oh, maybe this is a good time to mention that a song she wrote with Jeff Basker, um, she actually co-wrote for Rihanna. Do you know the song Kiss It Better? Yeah. It's written by Natalia Kills after this took place. Wow. Um, and she also, that same song was so good that it got split in two halves and one half went into Madonna. <gasps> so, so she wrote cool. this one song and then Madonna took half and then Rihanna took the other and they turned it into two totally different songs. That's kind of cool. I feel like I'm learning so much about just like little things that happen in the music industry. Like I didn't know people did that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's all this weird web. Yeah. She has such a story. So it's a mouthful, but. I gave Stop Me 7 out of 10 as well. Yeah. I think it's one of those middle ground tracks. Mm -hmm. I am curious what you think of the next one, because this is maybe one that you might recognize. But I think this song, I warmed up to this listen of the album. But before, it used to be my least favorite because I felt really? like it sounded sort of like Katy Perry pop in a way, just sort of with her at her spin. But I just mean like a, not a run-of-the-mill pop song, but the hook's good. It just didn't translate to me. I think, that makes sense. I think I agree to an extent. Looking back at what I wrote when I was listening to it, I think that this was a run of, like a very strong song on the album, but also just like your like 
middle ground. Song. Yeah. I wrote it's it's all feels very cohesive. So I like that lyrically and artistically she has this like one story, this one narrative running throughout. And I think Boys Don't Cry is a good contributor contributor to that. Um so yeah, it's strong. Yeah, I almost think about what could make it because this album does have variety. It does. Um, while also yeah. being co- pretty cohesive. But I just do think Stop Me and Boys Don't Cry Next to Each Other creates this little, like, seamy run. It's the only seamy run in the album, really. Like, I'd group I... some of the other songs together, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think now that you say that, I feel like later on, um, controversy maybe mm-hmm. and Rabbit Hole maybe, like. They're their similar. own duo for sure. Yeah. I almost think, we'll, yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, I gave Boys Don't Cry a seven. It was in this Monster High movie, I think. <laughs> um, so she got that. Uh, I love the spoken word bridge where she's like, what is the limit really? Like, yeah. she's like drunk. I was like, this I, makes the song for me. I honestly, so like we've talk, talking about spoken word on the podcast before and I usually hate it. I love all of the spoken word on this album. I think she has a voice for it. She has a sound for it. It sounds so good. It's integrated so well. Like it's just cool. That's the, that's the word of the podcast. Yeah. And I think this is a very classic pop song and the little tidbits that she gives just build to the narrative and make you want to know more. Like it's just Mm -hmm. the whole collection. She, she did it. So (laughs) she did it. I agree. Yeah. Another seven. I give it an eight. Because I, oh. I liked it a little bit more than Stop Me. Yeah, this one grew on me now, which is so interesting. Because I've been holding on this on to this album for so long. But yeah, that one's growing on me now. Nice. The next one, I really liked when the album came out. And I don't know why. But And I still really like it too. But like, it just like, for some reason, the Hall Notes sample, just like, I used to, so I never listened to Hall Notes, but I thought Rich Girl was actually that fast. Oh. Do you know how she speeds it up a little bit? Yeah. I just always thought it was that fast. So then when the actual song came out, I was like, what? <laughs> That's funny. This song is actually the second out of three that I was underwhelmed by. Wow. Um, I could see that. I This actually has a lot of streams for some reason. Like it's in her. Let me shout out for a minute that Natalia Kills, despite not releasing music since 2013, has over 400 50,000 listeners on Spotify still, oh, cool. which is a huge feat for two albums. Yeah. Just saying. Anyway, carry um, on. I think it was the first song that I started to get a little bit bored listening to it, mm. whereas I had really liked all of the other songs before this. So, but it, it's not like I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I just started to get bored. So I gave it a six out of 10. I think if it didn't have the sample, maybe it wouldn't be as interesting. Mm. But I think the lyrics here are different than the past string of songs, besides maybe television. Because she's singing here about trying to have a relationship with her dad while he's in prison. Yeah. And sort of, I guess, like the whole, like, letters thing, where she's like, right? Isn't that a lyric? It's like, it's something about, le- I don't know. Oh, do they lock you up and throw away the key? Mm. That <laughs> has nothing to do with letters. Yeah, I just feel like there, there was something about letters <laughs> in it. Um, but no, she's he's like imprisoned. They're like communicating. Um, she wants to have that. Oh, and then sort of being a talk of a town is like another point that she brought up. And that's what the pre-chorus or the post-chorus is supposed to be, where she's mm-hmm. like, let's throw about a bad boy love. Like, let's throw about a run, run, run. Because she used to, I guess she always talks about where she came from as like this place where like she was very affluent and everyone was like, oh my God. And then. It just sort of became like a newspaper type headline. 
where it's like then laundering money and then losing everything was like funny for people to watch or something yeah um that being said i gave this a seven and a half that's i still i can't it seems like too perfect of an origin story yeah that's the thing the way she writes about it and like she's very creative yeah right like i don't know but that's how she talked about it I don't think I completely doubt her. Like, things happen, but... I think the order of events and how it was perceived, she does seem to have a bit of a self... a big self-image. So maybe Mm. the outsiders weren't caring that much about what happened to her family. (laughs) Which, because, like, if that happened, I wouldn't care. Like, I see how things are talked about. Wait, if that happened to who? Like, if that happened in my town, I wouldn't be talking about it that much. Oh, I see. But maybe that's just us. But I don't think you'd be like, oh, she's dating a new guy. Yeah, it seems very, like, coming-of-age story. Like, the camera's, like, panning across the screen as the main character walks by and everyone's, like, whispering. Yeah, it's like a musical moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is possible that she actually meant it more when written as, like, just, like, where she's at with it. Like, and how she perceives it. But I do feel like I remember interviews being like, no, like, this is what it, this is what happened. Yeah. Well, it is true that, like, younger people perceive the world more, like, towards them. So, like, everything mm-hmm. feels like a big deal and things that are a big deal. Like Someone's in adolescent health. Yeah. Um, actually, just had that <laughs> class. But anyways, so, like, in her reality, it could have been that, you know? Yeah. I wonder if there's any, this is so, I wonder if there's any newspapers or things we can find. Oh my God. I want to do. Let's go digging. If I go to Mass, that'll be like my thesis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What's Natalia's true origin? Yeah. What's her real name? Because there's like four different, we have Verbalicious, we have Cappuccini, we have Pills, we have two more following. was her last no. name? No, no, no. I was just, um, her pseudonyms in the public eye are like, oh. there's two more that we haven't even gone into yet. What are they? Well, there's three technically, but we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> um, now I think we get into what rating did you give Daddy Girl? Oh, like a six out of ten. Okay, that's that's low, but it's not like no, you started it or hang it. or breaking up low. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is like I think we're getting into the meat of the album here. Mm-hmm. This is where I feel like things really rope up, and we go into some of my favorite song type territory. Like, of all time. Like, top ten. So, let's talk about Saturday Night. It, this was the song that I really heard her voice resemble Lady Gaga's. Wow, that's so interesting, yeah. you think? This I think the, Lana Del Rey. Really? I could also... She worked with Emily Hain, who works with Lana. I could also see that. Um, yeah. Again, it sounds like it belongs in a coming-of-age story. Like This was sort of written as that. Like, this was supposed to be a summary of... Like, if Trouble wasn't the title, Saturday Night would be. Mm, I um, like Trouble better, though, honestly. I gave this song a 10. Really? It's such a good song. Are you kidding me? I gave it an 8. Wow. At least you liked it more, though. Like, you recognized it. No, I it. did. It w- it's one of my favorite songs so far. It's about feeling hopeless as a teenager. Oh. And then sort of, like, wraps her problems with, like, her dad. Like, the something about a black eye is in the first verse. So she's talking about her family mm. and that sort of thing. And then she's talking about her own drug problems by the end. Pills falling out of her purse, like diamonds. Oh. She just wants one more night. I think it's very, very good. Um, so cool. And it sort of summarizes everything with her. Um, the video... 
she was an artist who wasn't getting that much funding from her label, which I, I don't know why, because she's on the same label as Lady Gaga, but Lady Gaga left Cherry Tree when she started getting big. Mm. But I guess she Lady Gaga just had some of the best management in the game because Natalie Kills got really, like, not that much. Sad. Um, but I think the Saturday Night video, she sort of made, like, a comic of it. Not a comic, literally, but it was, like, one little house structure, and she's standing in the middle, and it's, like, oh. her parents, and then it's this, and it's... I don't know. I just expected more from the video itself. But yeah. I do think the song is a 10 and one of the best things that I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> That's traumatic, Keith. I, it's in my, like, if I were to put together, like, a favorite songs, like, I'm so confident that songs from this album would be there. Oh. Yeah. Meh. I don't know. Devils yeah. don't fly. Okay. So it's the same kind of theme as Miley's Angels Like You, I feel. Came first, too. I was going to talk it about came that. first. Wow. Everyone's like, Miley's so creative. I'm like, oh, really? But Devils Don't Fly. And they didn't die <laughs> in 2013. So. <laughs> um, I have to say that I'm not into the song. It is my least favorite song on the album. Why? And I gave it a 5 out of 10. No, you didn't. This I is her did. most popular song on Spotify. This is a 10, and this is another. I think this no. is better than Saturday Night. How dare no. you do this Keep. to me? Why would you do that? She's talking about literally falling into a drug, falling into drug abuse because of her life and I being can't. so helpless and hopeless. And then the production, I can't get over it. The the trap snares in 2013 and a pop song over a ballad and her voice sounds so good. <laughs> I can appreciate the artistry. I wrote down she has a beautiful voice on this song. Oh, yeah, she does. I can appreciate the vulnerability of her lyrics and the mastery of her lyrics. It just wasn't for me. Like, I just what wasn't? would never see myself The melodrama? I don't I mean, I, I don't think know. I relate to it at all. <laughs> but I just listen yeah. to it and I'm like, like, if I'm upset, I'm like, but like wow, she feels hopeless. Like, she's <laughs> like, I always get it wrong. I'm like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like sometimes you just listen to songs and you're like, no, I don't really vibe with it. And you move along. Like, that's how I felt about this. You listen with headphones? Yes. Least favorite. Least favorite. I can't get over this being a real ten. opinion. I want our roommates to listen to it and see what they think. I don't think Andy would like it. She's not, she's not into the edge. <laughs> she's not. And you got, you got Justin Timberlake on a remix. She'd be in. He's like, it. Devil's on Fly. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I just love the vocal production. Her voice sounds so glossy on it. Yeah. Her and voice is really I funny. love the fly, like, belt. Uh, I think it's also a very creative metaphor. And I think it oh, works yeah, with her whole, cool. like, trouble. Like, I'm bad. Like, she's ruining other people's lives because she's so broken. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know how Miley's album was very much like, you know, I am the problem, whatever, but like, yeah. I'm going to own it that sometimes in relationships, she's very much like, I'm in these relationships, they're toxic. I know that I'm toxic, but like, how am I going to get out of this? Like, I'm not proud of it. It's just who I am at this point. Like, everything sucks, which is very yeah. depressing, but I admire it artistically. Yeah. No, I also appreciate and admire it. Will I ever listen to the song again? No. And that's hard to hear, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Okay. Out of time, on the other hand, 10 out of 10. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> <laughs> this was a 10 immediately, and I love this song so much. And this came as a late favorite. Like, when it first came wow. out, I was like, we're doing the 70s girl group vibe. Like, I don't know if I'm really that into, you know, the sonic landscape. But then it, like, it must have been a year later that I was like, these vocals 
and they're so the, pretty. It's heartbreaking, but it's so classic. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's kind of funny because I wrote down that I don't necessarily love her voice in this, mm. but the song itself is so beautiful. It's like sad, pretty. Mm-hmm. When something is like so depressing, it's like but an it's old also school beautiful. sad song yeah. that's not too hard. Oh, it's like perfect. And I think it's like considering what comes next and what has come before on the album, it's so refreshing where it's placed within the whole artistic piece. I think it's like the perfect spot for it too. Yeah, this is very much, it's almost like there's no, like, and it's a sad song, but it feels almost like this little ray of light in the middle of Mm -hmm. it. Cause it's just like, it's almost like captures this innocence of like your heart being broken. But even though she's so dark and toxic, she's like hurting and she's like, I try and do it, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're out of time. The lyrics on this are beautiful. It could be a poem. Like it's so pretty. I'll say it timeless. Timeless. You're channeling another era and it sounds you good. You said it. It's timeless. And there's just so much I can say about it. Um, it's really grown over time for me. And I do think the reason why I don't like her vocals is because it is a bit show to me. Like she's belting, mm. but it's very much like, I almost feel like this song could have been in the television. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but I really grew to like that aspect because I agreed with you. I was really into the whole Devils Don't Fly Saturday Night glossy vocal. And this mm. one is very like, let me belt. Yeah. I like it. And I'm glad you appreciate it. <laughs> yes. 10 out of 10. Perfection. Mm-hmm. Now the next one is really changing gears. Yeah. It's a good shift though. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we went with the same out of time vibe, it, yeah. it wouldn't have been as cool as the album is as a whole. I guess out of time could give me 60s vibes, but I do think it pairs well with television. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And Boys Don't Cry. Controversy. I'm like, I'm so conflicted by it. Do you get it? I meant that as a joke because it's like, (laughs) it's like she has these like random reasons for saying all these things. And I'm just like, okay, just, you're just saying weird things to gain attention. (laughs) I think it gets old. Mm -hmm. And I think she was trying to like push into this like super art, like abstract artistic place. But because, because of how like, she just went too far with it or she mm-hmm. went in the wrong direction with it. Everything else is so like, like we said, we keep saying the same words, icy, cool, edgy. Like she is that girl. I think this song fits into that narrative, but it's like teetering on the edge of, Oh, that annoying girl that thinks she's cool. That's so, uh, yeah. I think if this came out today, we'd all feel like that. Yeah. I think because it was 2013, it was still kind of, it was still kind of like catching fire a bit. Like mm-hmm. we didn't have that. This was before, not that Halsey ever did something like this. I don't think she's, no. she's there, but you know what I mean? Like it was before yeah. Tumblr culture was like aligned with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Marine in the Diamonds so in 2012, but yeah. So this was the first thing that anyone heard off the album officially. And it wasn't released as a single. It was just, I didn't think it would be on the album and I didn't want it on the album because I thought it was just a concept track. It sounds like a concept song that you just kind of like, oh, this is what she's talking about. I think it's effective in its mission of just being like, Mm -hmm. she's trying to capture like, I guess it was the innocence that like kids are supposed to have and then the things that you're exposed to at the same time and sort of the hopelessness that she experienced at that age group and just being like, this is what the world is actually like. This is how people talk to you. Like. Drink the Kool-Aid, don't drink the Kool-Aid is like a lot of a reference. (laughs) I don't think she was drinking the Kool-Aid. 
Um, <laughs> but I think it's supposed to be like, oh, well, let's get controversial. Like, this is what life is like. I think if it was a poem, I would appreciate it. Like a slam poem. That's literally yeah, what it like is. Slam like slam poetry. Cheerleader. Like, it's very. <laughs> yeah. That All that being said, I still gave it an 8 out of 10. I would definitely listen to it again. Yeah, it, it's low-key really good at the gym. Really? Oh, I can see that. This goes on longer than the version that she released in the video. The video is just her standing in front of a gray screen and she's like, she's like gazing <laughs> at it. Like, and then there's a butterfly comes out of her mouth. That's like it. Oh, wow. But yeah, it was just that for like three minutes. I think it's almost like a combination. It's like we are in the age where all songs are shorter. So we naturally are like, this could take off something. But I also think this Kong really could take off something. Mm. Um, yeah, it gets old, especially because of the nature of the song. I think it would be more impactful if it was short. Yeah, I also think in a weird way. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly think the track placement is pretty perfect for a lot of these. Like, I can't think of some like she could move something around. For some reason, this if it was shorter, I'd feel like it could be an intro. But we have a perfect intro, oh, so it's like, yeah, no. it's like, why would we ever move that? I actually think the the order of them is like perfect. Like, yeah, couldn't get much so better. Good. Yeah, I give this a seven and a half. Yeah, just because like if it didn't have the, but if I didn't know what she was doing with it, I don't think I. I don't know. I'm gonna stand by my story. Yeah, seven and a half. Mm. The next think... one. Mm. So, I love rabbit hole i love it really because it's so i love gwen stefani i love her quirky weirdness and this is the song that i was like oh it sounds like gwen stefani like it could be a gwen stefani song yeah i think it's just so freaking cool you do yeah i thought you'd think this one was like campy or too campy no because it does have that little edge of like "Mm." but it is very gwen after controversy, like, I feel like Rabbit Hole is toned down. <laughs> like, That's actually very true. I didn't think of it like that. It, you're so right. I actually think oh, there was one song that leaked that I think should have been on the album. And for that, I just feel like Rabbit Hole didn't have a place on the album. Oh, I would have been okay not having Rabbit Hole. That being said, I still gave it a seven. Like, I like this song, but I, I don't think... I think Catch of Controversy captured the energy that Rabbit Hole has enough for me. Yeah. But, I, but if we're going to do 13 tracks and that's going to be the one she chooses, yeah, I like Rabbit Hole. I gave it a 10 out of 10. That's so interesting. I, yeah, I gave it a 7. It's I could see why you like it, though, because it does capture Gwen. It does have that fun energy. Mm-hmm. It definitely pairs well. There's, like, brackets on this album aside from Sonics because, like, Controversy's in it. But I'd also put mm-hmm. Problem in this category, too. Okay. Because it's very, like, edgy, defiant, and, like, that's how she's sort of is on rabbit hole and controversy as well. Yeah, I can see that. It's interesting that it sort of goes, like, balls to the wall in terms of being, like, this hard exterior. She's rebellious. She's defiant. Then she's upset, and she's, you know, heartbroken, and then she's sort of, like, the same mode of just, like, aggressive, and then she's sad again. Yeah. It's kind of a cycle. Are you talking about the album as a whole? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rabbit Hole is just like a sexual song. Cool. It's, I like it. <laughs> I accidentally pre-ordered the, uh, the clean version, so there wasn't a lot to oh, listen no. to when I accidentally did that. But no. Now I listen to the explicit version on Spotify. So. That's funny. Yeah. My least favorite on the album. Really? Mm-hmm. Sad. I mean, you, Sean Devils Don't Fly, so I don't really. Yeah, well. I felt deserved. worse. You deserved <laughs> it. What do you think about watching you? You first. 
Why? I always I just want to know your okay. Well, I feel like the whole crazy girlfriend trope is captured in this song, but it's so sad here. It makes you feel very bad for her, but also a little disturbed because you're like, this girl was really hanging on to this guy because she didn't have much and she's waiting outside. She's like, I don't know what to do. She's heartbroken. She had all these dreams and aspirations in her mind, whether she's, you know, drugged up or not. Like, she's just like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? And I think it's a nine and a half because she's, it's just good. Like, it's, I, uh, like, I just, I have so much respect for what she was doing with it. Um, And it's like, she's also admitting that he's a toxic guy a little bit. She's like, out of all the boys, you know, I chose the one that was like, going to get me into these bad habits and going to make me probably a worse version of myself. But now I'm here and now I can't get out. I love it. This was another 10 out of 10 for me. Like immediately. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I didn't have that much of an emotional response to it. Like, I (laughs) I just vibed with it. Yeah. I just, I think when I was younger, I didn't listen to, like I listened to the lyrics and I knew what it was about, but I was also like, this is so cool. Yeah. Because I, you know, there aren't a lot of parts of this album where you, like, feel bad. But I yeah. I felt it there. But it's, like, low-key and upbeat song. No. No? She's like, no, 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 this is not the plan. If I can't have you, then no one can. No, but I mean the production of it, not the lyrics. I think it's haunting. Mm-hmm. I get a haunting vibe. That's a good word for The it. pulsating piano is new because there's been so many guitars on it. Oh. I, I feel that. I feel like sonically it is different. That's but cool. I wouldn't say it. You know, I gave it a nine and a half. But I, I do, when you give it tens, I'm like, I should give it a ten. Do it. It deserves it. I give it, it a ten. Yay. I give it a ten. I think, <laughs> you know, ugh, yeah, I give it a ten. It's so good. I, like, sometimes I look to you to, like, humble me a bit. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but other times when you're, like, on my side, I'm like, okay, like, you're right. I'm so um, funny. Okay. We're at track 12 now. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Marlboro Lights. Marlboro Lights. Um, Good. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really pretty. It was, again, heartbreaking. I feel like we're in that. The song is about suicide. Like, she wanted to kill herself. Shut up. Yeah. For real? Yeah. I just thought it was about a breakup. Yeah, no, she wants to be forgotten. That's upsetting. I'll be here when chaos calls. And God ain't listening anymore. <laughs> Because she's so I heartbroken think, from this guy. I think it, go, it pairs with watching you very well. Yes. I love I love how she has the ability to make a sad song really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And also, like, like, she at the same time doesn't care that much. Like, she's <laughs> over it already. Like, I don't... It's just so weird. <laughs> yeah, like, that's To true. me, watching that's you, funny. her vocal was more earnest, and this one's more like, whatever. And it's so sad because that's what yeah. she wants to die. Nine and a half. Not, I give it a 9 out of 10, too. Yeah. It's well, similar. It's interesting, because I think you'd think this is the closer, but she didn't want to close there. Instead, she saved one of the best songs. The title track. Of her career and my lifetime. Guess what I gave it? 10? Yeah, 10 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, it's this song. I get why it's the title. And it's a perfect song to finish album. Mm-hmm. Like, Chef's Kiss, You Think It Can't Get Better Than Marlboro, and then... Bam. Yeah, and like it's such a sad ending, and then she's back and she's like defiant, but she's also singing about like 
it's like it mentions everything it's kind of a summary like saturday night but it's also like its own little story she's talking about when she argued with her boyfriend right and she got so mad that she burned the place down like she was he was literally and she wanted to burn it down and so it, she set fire she committed she set fire to her arsony yeah because she's trouble Oh. That's why the opening line is like, hey, come and be my like lover boy. I'm gonna burn down the house tonight. Cause she's like, no. <laughs> So she's trouble. Like she's that can't be real. Like, are there records of this happening? I don't want to search through her records. Um, but I don't know. Like, but like she said that she did that. I'm sure she started a little fire. I don't think it actually became one, but I think like, she tried she to be arrested. Not if it was small enough to like put out yourself or have like a medical thing for it there's always ways around things okay okay where is she now well let's finish talking about trouble a trouble is a 10 yeah we gave four songs tens on this album or i did you did so our can our general top three must be out Out of time time. watching you in trouble Mm -hmm. but i think saturday night and devils don't fly not being on that list is hard I want you to re-listen to Saturday do Night. Hard, people can do hard things, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Chromatica slogan. You know that, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. I knew you were it quite was when she like, did that promo with Oreos and, like, they did voice memos. <laughs> people can do hard things. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, overall, I give this album a 9 out of 10, maybe. That's what I said. Yeah, it's, it's as close to a perfect pop album as maybe I've gotten in a while. Yeah, I agree. This being 2013, I mean, I've had it, but <laughs> this is one of my favorites of all time, and I hope she knows how good her music is. Honestly, now that I know about some more specifics about the songs, I'm, like, excited to listen to it again. Because yeah. I feel like that always makes it more fun. Yeah, and I, I thought it would be a really interesting discussion because it's, like, these songs have little stories in them, mm. but it's, like, to actually capture what she said in interviews is so weird. Like, it's so... Like, there aren't a lot of albums like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's refreshing to have an album that's so cohesive, but not only cohesive, it's just, like, a piece of art. Like, I can really appreciate when an album or a collection of songs is truly conceptualized, and I feel like she achieved that with this album. And it's also, like, think of how we described our pop and think of how we described Britney mm. Jean. There were moments where we were like, this is very of its time. There's nothing on this album that's just of its time. That's so true. People would make a song like Devils Don't Fly, Yeah, There's Trap Stars today. Yeah. That sounds like something that would come out today. That's so true. Wow. It's all so So perfect. where is she now, Keith? So Natalia Kills off the back of her... Oh, wait. Did we mention that Saturday Night was the second single? I guess. It was like second single. It did do very well in New Zealand, though. She did release an album for Trouble. Um, I mean, a song. She did release an album for Trouble. She released a video for Trouble, but there were no other singles after that. So Anyway, Saturday night, peaked at 23 in New Zealand. And she got an X Factor New Zealand judging gig with her husband, (gasps) Willie Moon. Whoa. Willie Moon is also a musician on the same label who had his song featured in an Apple commercial and was is from New Zealand. So I guess he's a bigger deal there. Yes. And then... Did she judge on the X Factor? Oh, she judged, all right. Stop. <laughs> is this going to be tragic? Because I don't think I can handle it. I think... I think it's tragic at first, but I think it was set up. And I think she took it too far. Um, She basically, after this performer in a suit sang his song... Keep in mind, this is X Factor New Zealand. It's like, who's paying attention? Yeah. Um, he finishes his song. One judge is like... 
yeah, you did really good. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, I think you did good because you're dressed like my husband. Uh, like you're a laughing stock. Like how dare what? you come Wait, here? I think, I... I think we have a doppelganger in our midst. Like goes off the rails. I think I've like seen clips from that because it sounds familiar to me. Maybe I sent it to you like a while ago, or maybe you saw it because it. Maybe I saw this it. Was, what year was that? It must have been 2015. Oh, I, there's no way I saw it then. If I if I was 15. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it at 15. <laughs> I was like so proud of her. I was like, wow, she's big in New Zealand. And then I saw this and I was like, and then uh, soon it so was then like, and the guy started crying. Then her as the husband chimed in and was like, yeah, it's like, you're going to stab everyone. In the-. Like he really <gasps> went far with it. He was like, yeah, you're like Norman Bates. Like it was like a whole thing. Wow. You, um, and you think it was set up? Well, then there was so much backlash. Like she left New Zealand. They have replacement judges by the next episode. Um, The network issued a statement and then they issued a statement that was like, we can't talk about everything, but essentially it went too far, but it wasn't our idea. It was the gist of their statement. It was just like networks do different. This is reality TV is basically what the gist of their statement was. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I don't know if it was an apology or not. Like I don't remember. Um, But there were a lot of articles on Natalia Kills and like, then she started tweeting things like just the link to problem being like, yeah, like it just sort of like, okay, um, like what? Cause she was getting so much change. She was just like sort of that fuck it attitude. Yeah. Um, that bleep it attitude. And it made her very unlikable. And she was already a bit um, like icy around edge. it. Yeah. Um, and that's just how she handled the situation. And then it came out that she was no longer a part of the same label. And everyone was like, oh, she got dropped from her label. And then they were like, no, it was just her deal ended. And oh. they weren't doing anything for her um, besides making her life complicated. So what is she doing now? So then she becomes Cruel Youth, a girl band with two other people. They release an EP um, called Plus 30 Milligrams. It's a, this is all but drugs. Um, and mm. then that's an EP that's pretty good. It's kind of in the same Sonic Places trouble, but more, less like, I'm a pop star, like rah, like more yeah. just like neutral. But I think you'd like, I think you'd almost hear that in passing more than you'd hear these songs. Like I think you'd actually like the EP. And then off the back of that, you had her new. Well, she did change her name legally to Natalia Moon. No, Will. Teddy, Teddy Moon, Teddy Sinclair that? Moon, because he <laughs> he calls her Teddy. I forgot about the Teddy. So now she's Teddy. She's not even Natalia. Um, Interesting. And instead of doing that as a pseudonym, she adapted the Powder Room, and the Powder Room is where some of her solo material goes when she's not with Cruel Youth. Is so? Is it a physical space or no? I think it's just like powders, like drugs. Um, but like what is it the powder room people use the term for bathrooms and she just said the powder room it's just her i think what what her is pseudonym. it oh it's her pseudonym yeah oh, for okay. like when she's not being with cruel youth oh cruel youth toured with kiara um who made gold oh okay yeah, yeah. um opened for them and then she wrote a few songs that's when so X Factor happened at the end of 2014, ended 2015. I can't figure it out. Cruel Youth EP was out. Um, Anti came out in 2016, so that's when she was like co-writing stuff. Um, oh. 
and then she had the EP, but there's really been radio silence since. She dropped two singles last year for Cruel Youth, but they're not, like, they didn't catch hold or anything. Like, she had oh. a few good moments with them, but... Sad. Yeah. Do you think she'll ever make... Mainstream success? Um, yeah, come back as, like, a solo artist. I wish she'd use the Natalia Kills name again. I don't know what right she has over it, or maybe if the whole story was wrapped up in the fact that Interscope owned the name. Oh. That's something that crossed my mind. At least Natalia Kills um or com or like someone that was just involved in the mix in the beginning had rights to it yeah Um, that's something that i thought about but i i wish that there was something that captured the same zeitgeist as like trouble Mm. it is sad because i feel like trouble is so strong like you said it's so timeless it's amazing and then it's like you'd think she's independent now so she'd be making more music than she would have been her story makes me feel eerie. Like, yeah. <laughs> everything about her past. And then her present. And then her present. I'm like, oh, It just feels like a lost cause weird. for in terms of her commercial side because I just think she started out balls to the wall so strong in the beginning. Yeah. And, like, you can but check even, out Perfectionist, and it was good. It was very Lady Gaga, if I'm being honest, but yeah. it was good. But even as we're saying it's good and strong, like it didn't really have that much commercial success. Because it's just like almost like she didn't have a strong enough backing in her corner to make it happen. Mm. Like she was there, but no one was like, no one was. No one's supporting her. She wasn't promoting the radios. It wasn't mm. taking off and there there wasn't backing. And I don't know why to this day. Um, but maybe then she would end up on New Zealand bashing a 20-year-old guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Her example of that is a really good example of like all good publicity, all publicity is good publicity because yeah, Trouble got a bunch of clicks and like stormed it to the top 200 of iTunes that day in a bunch of places. But then it was like this big peak up and then it was down, dropped. She changed her name, which I don't think was a smart idea at all, Um, which makes me think it was a legality because no one in their right mind would change their name after that. Um, True. Unless they thought it was that, but she could have had commercial success. Like she was... People come around to trouble more after it came out because mm. they were like, this is good. But then she ruined whatever hype she had with the name change. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Powder room. <laughs> the powder room. Like, what are we <laughs> talking about? And Natalie Kills has more monthly listeners than um, her EP, her new Cruel Youth, like, wow. pseudonym. So it's like, yeah. It seems like a mystery. It does. Know. It does um but yeah that was trouble thanks for tuning in um we'll see you guys next week with a new album yeah and we hope you check out trouble yeah because it's good all right bye guys bye.